0: I, I want to just tell you up front that the whole goal of this message is to invite you to give your life to Christ. Now we say that, you've probably heard uh, someone in maybe their testimony saying, yeah, I gave my life to Christ when I was six. I gave my life to Christ when I was in high school or whatever. And what they mean by that is that they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ for Him to be their personal Lord and Savior. They're usually talking about salvation. And yes, I'm inviting you, if you're not saved, to be saved this morning. That's the best thing in the world. But but, I want to think about that phrasing, even just the words that I'm using, give your life to Christ, because I believe that that's a day-by-day kind of decision. That today you have to decide that you're going to give your life to Christ, because you're going to live your life that day, either for for yourself, on your agenda, with your plans, or given to His plans and His agenda and, and His power, right? Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk about that and what might that look like for us and specifically at the example that Paul Paul is for us and that he gave his life to Christ and he's saying some really intense, bold things about um, what he, like his outlook on life. It's challenging and kind of crazy. It's pretty radical. And, and so I'm going to invite you into that same radical giving of your life to Christ. So, let's just jump right into verse 19. We're going to cover verses 19 to 26. If I uh, am going too fast, or if I miss a blank, let me know. But here in verse 19, it says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And before we get any further, what is he talking about? For I know that this, what is this? What has he just been talking about what did we cover the last time we were in Philippians? Does anybody remember? Think back. We talked. I told story about Paul's kind of adventure, and it all was to fall out to the furtherance of the gospel. But what was it? His. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'd be his. Mm-hmm, starts with an I. Ends with a T. Imprisonment. Okay, so his imprisonment. That's kind of what we've been. Describing so he he goes to Philippi, he's planting this church, he goes, oh, you know, he's imprisoned even there, but then he goes and he keeps on doing missionary work, he keeps going to plant churches and do ministry, win souls, and he ends up finding himself on a journey to a certain place. He wants to go to Jerusalem. All of his friends are like, Don't go to Jerusalem, because if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get imprisoned, you're going to get in trouble. And he goes and he does it anyways, because he's like, Dude, whatever, I mean, I got to, I got to go preach the gospel. He's like, I'm not, I'm not only willing to be imprisoned, I'm willing to give my life for the gospel to go forth as God sees fit. So he does that, and then he begins to get imprisoned. And people are, are putting him in, in chains. They're arresting him. And he's going before these different rulers and all these government officials. Like imagine if you, you, know, you, you got in trouble for preaching the gospel at your school. Your teacher's like, hey, don't, don't do that. And then you're like, well, I, but I, I want to. I have to. And they're like, go to the principal's office. You're like, okay. then you're in the principal's office. And then the principal, it's the assistant principal. They're like, hey, don't do that. And you're like, "But but I got to. Sorry, I have to. And then they're like, go to the real principal's office. And you're like, I thought you were a real principal. But you go to the head principal anyways, and you're like, hey. And he's like, don't do that. You're not supposed to preach the gospel. And you're like, but I have to. And then he's like, go to the superintendent. So you get in your car and you drive to central office and you're standing there before the superintendent. He's like, don't don't preach the gospel. And you're like, but I have to. Can I just, like, this is what the gospel is. And all along the way as I forgot this detail, he's laying the gospel out to these people. Right? He's laying it out. They're hearing the gospel and some of them are like, dude, yeah, you're not supposed to, I guess you're not supposed to, like, preach the gospel. But what you're preaching is convincing like i think i might need that and so imagine like the superintendent of your school is like hey i know you're you're like you're going to be suspended or whatnot but can you just hang out here for a second like let's talk let's talk so a practical example of kind of this actual thing happening seth miles you may be i don't know if you heard the story or not but seth miles who used to be in the high school class he it's taking a philosophy class last year and he had told his dad pastor sam he's like Dad, will you pray for me? I just want an open door. I want to be used in the gospel. Like I want to, I want to preach the gospel. Pray for me for an open door. So Sam uh, is teaching a class across the world at that time, and he asks that class that he's teaching to pray for his son Seth. So this whole group, this whole classroom full of people begin to pray for Seth, that he would get an open door for the gospel. And Sam recorded it, and it's beautiful. And I have no idea what they're saying, but it's kind of awesome. Like They're just begging God. For open doors. So then, the next day, Seth goes to class down here at UMK uh, at Longview. He's in a philosophy class, and the, and the and the teacher is talking about God and this and that. And then Seth says, "Well, what about blah 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 blah?" And he gets to stand up, and he's thinking that that's the open door. But the teacher shuts him down. Shuts him down. No, 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 no. I want you to stay after class. Whoa. So he's actually getting in trouble. That's kind of cool. So he stays after, and he's thinking he's going to get a lecture, he's going to get chewed out. And the teacher's like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I was reactive. I'm just working through. You know, I grew up Catholic. I'm just working through my relationship, my like, dynamic with God. I just struggle with the Genesis account. So Seth opens his Bible, reads through the Genesis account with his profess- philosophy professor, and gets to lay out the gospel calls his dad dad that prayer worked the door was open i got to preach the gospel and not only to preach the gospel but to a teacher somebody who is who could have shut him down right a crazy crazy cool thing and that's what god does and so paul is saying i know that this this struggle this imprisonment this struggle and and trial in my life shall turn to my salvation I'm going to be saved from this. Not my personal salvation where I spend eternity in heaven with God, but my being saved from the situation. It'll be, there will be salvation through your prayer and through the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So just as Paul says that he's confident earlier in this chapter that God will continue doing a work in and through the Philippians. Remember when he said, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of what? Redemption. Close. The day of Jesus. It's always the answer, guys. Jesus Christ. He says, I'm confident that God is going to keep working in your life until he, he raptures you and takes you home. I'm confident of that. I'm confident that God is at work in your life. He's also confident here in verse 19 that God is going to work in His current situation. He's going to work it out for good. So here is here's what he mentions. It's through their prayer. So let's talk about their prayer. Paul's confident that part of God delivering him in his great time of need is the prayers of the saints. Paul believes in prayer. Do we believe in prayer? Yes. Do you believe that God answers your prayer? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you come to God half believing that He's going to answer your prayers. He says, come to me in faith. Come to me in confidence. Come to me trusting me that I'm going to answer your prayers. Don't come doubting. Come with being convinced that your prayer will be answered, that God will move in your life. And that will please God. Just as Paul was confident that God was at work in his life, we must be confident and full of faith and belief that God will answer the prayers and petitions that we lift up to Him. So let me ask you, what are you asking God for in your life right now? What are you asking God for? And if it's a Lamborghini, you probably don't need that. So, good luck. I mean, keep praying for it, I guess. Whatever. What are you asking God for? What are your your prayers for healing in your family? Are your prayers for open doors? Are your prayers for fruitfulness? Are your prayers for like learning the Bible for help? Are your prayers for a friend? Like to have a friend? Are your prayers for reconciliation? Are you what are your prayers for? What are you asking God for? I mean, if if you are asking God, if you're not asking God, listen. Hey! If we got a bunch of snacks out of that closet and we laid them up here, I mean, not all of you are into like garbage snacks, but some of you are. Okay, so if we laid out all these snacks, just junk food, just all the good stuff, and we said, all right, if you want some, ask. How many of you would ask for the junk food? Yeah, I mean, come on, quit. You guys are like, no, I wouldn't, I don't want it. <laughs> okay, well, if we had whatever snack you want, okay, if we had whatever food item, whatever drink, whatever, you know, thing that, is, that you enjoy when you're going out with your friends and you're going to, you need a snack or a drink or whatever, if we had that up here and we said, hey, if you want it, just ask. You'd be like, hey, can I get that? And we'd be like, yeah, here you go. Easy, simple. But I think that we struggle to do that with God. We struggle. You know why? Because sometimes we don't see it. It's not laid out in front of us. Sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if He would answer my prayer because I don't don't see Him at work. Right? Or maybe sometimes we don't ask because we don't want what we think He would offer. Like, make me a more forgiving person. Make me thankful. Make me more patient. Conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. We're like, I don't think I want that. Give me open doors to preach the gospel. I don't think, no thanks. That would be a little scary. What are you asking God for in your, in your life right now? But the other thing that he mentions that is critical for his um, saving from his situation is the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So not only are the prayers critical, but the actual answer to their prayers was what built Paul's confidence. So let's talk about this. What does that mean, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ? What, what does that mean? Like, I want that. I'll take some supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Sounds like something I should get, right? Well, what is it? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. And it goes on and on to talk about God's love and understanding it. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16 to 17. I think this is what Paul wanted. He says, At my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsake me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Anybody ever feel alone? Feel like your friend's abandoned you? Feel like you were left out? Feel like that? One person that was supposed to be tight with you is not tight with you. Here's what he says. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. So God supplies our spiritual, which are the most important needs. He supplies them by His Spirit of Jesus Christ. He provides for our most critical needs, which are spiritual needs. We we need, I mean, you got to, you got to eat, right? And you got to breathe, right? And you need to drink water, right? And what else do you need? What are the other things that are basic functions? Blood? B- blood? <laughs> uh, you already got that, so you don't need any more. What are the things that you have to take in and receive? Oxygen. Yeah, you got you to gotta breathe. Shelter, right? There's some, some basic like components of survival that you need. But even more important than those, because if you don't have those things, then you die. But you're going to die one way or the other. So eventually this life ends. And then what? Think about that. Hey, wake up. Think about that. What happens after you die? Something is actually, literally, really going to happen to you. You are going to die. It's going to happen. I'm sorry if that is shocking or sad or like disturbing or whatnot, but the reality is you're going to die someday. And something's going to happen. You're either going to go to heaven with God and it will be glorious. And we're going to talk more about that. Or you're going to spend eternity forever and ever and ever. Like the length of you know, your children's lifetimes and the, and the length of your family members' lifetimes. That long you'll be there away from God. But then, then their generation is like that long. And then forever and ever and ever. And then after all of civilization is ended and Jesus Christ comes back. And this thing gets flipped upside down. The world is dramatically changing. You know that. You see it in the news. We're getting closer and closer to Christ coming, rapturing us up, having a period of tribulation and chaos and confusion and then Jesus Christ is going to come back on earth and He's going to be ruling and reigning for a thousand years and He's going to get this place in shape and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And then guess where you will be? You will still be in an eternity without Him. And then after the thousand year reign, then you, you know, He's going into eternity future. We're in heaven. You know, we're like dancing in heaven. Like what do you do in heaven? you just dance right no you fish right so we're all fishing probably we're all fishing at the feet of Jesus there's a you know there's a game of nerds over here that Kylie's doing we're having a big party we're having a bible study we're having you know we're talking with Jesus about this and that answer questions it's going to be wonderful and I really I believe with all my heart that that's going going to happen that we're going to be there together Party. If you've not accepted Christ, you're not going to be there. And I think that's stupid. I don't like that. I want you to be there. Please, please come to heaven with us. Right? I don't think that's in my nose. Where am I at? So yeah, our spiritual needs are far more impacting than our physical needs. Does that make sense? What's in your spirit, what your spirit is, where your spirit goes after you die is far more important than what happens even today or if the next week. And God supplies those things. He strengthens you by His Spirit. He provides for your needs. He, 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 some of your spiritual needs are companionship and community when we feel lonely and unloved. That's a spiritual need. Some of you feel lonely. Some of you feel hurt. Some of you feel abandoned. Well, He provides for that. How does He provide for that? The body of Christ. He gives you a family. Listen, you have friends available to you. You have family available to you. You just have to be humble enough to receive it. Right? Like, come on. He's given you what you need in friendships. In high school, man, we're prickly. Sometimes we're prickly, we're disengaged. We, you know, some, someone in here, I bet you a million dollars, someone in here would say, yeah, these people are fine, but my best friends are those that are at my school. And that's fine, whatever. Like, no problem. That was the case for me. I think that's probably the case for like, the people, who, the adults in here. Like, Oftentimes, sometimes, your best friends aren't the ones that you're at church with. Okay, but if I may just push back on that, just for a moment, those are your best friends. Best friends not here? Okay, no problem. But when high school ends, who's your best friend? I'll tell you this my best friend, his name was Cameron, and we were tight, dude. We were very tight. And then uh, we got into our senior year and we're getting toward the end of it, and you know, we were realistic. I was, I was. Probably more realistic than I realized. Probably more dramatic, too. I was like, man, this is it, bro. We're coming to the end. You know, maybe one day we'll have grill, we'll have like uh, barbecues together with our families. But realistically, this is it. I'll never see you again. And you know what we did? We wrote letters to each other. And it was just letters of like, man, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your friendship, for your friendship in Christ. And I think that's just wonderful. And I'm praying for you and I love you. And it was like this way too long a letter. We were just, come on. But it was good. I wrote a letter. He wrote a letter. Took him with us. He is the only person that I ever keep in touch with. Like once or twice a year maybe. But then what? I'm not trying to end your friendships with people. Especially if they're believers. That's wonderful. But then what? Then who? Who? Who's going to be your best friend? And maybe they're not in here. Maybe they're in Kaya waiting for you to get up there. I don't know. But God has given you friendships. He's given you partners in the work. He's given you love and accountability and camaraderie and soldiers in the field with you that is irreplaceable. And I say this a lot, but I'll tell you what, Mitch and Brock, those are my guys. I know they have my back. I know it. And we, like, I mean, they're wearing the same shirt, when well, I'm not. It's like, you know, we're not, I'm not synced up right now. We need to hang out some more. But I know they've got my back. When I have a need, I know that they will, they will, they will be part of the solution. I know when I'm down, They will be part of the solution. I know when I feel lonely, when I feel worn out, they will be part of the solution. I know that. When you feel lonely, who do you know has got your back? Some of you, you're going through a hard time. Let's just be honest about it. Some of you, your families are falling apart at the seams. Some of you, your parents don't get along. Some of you, your parents have split up. Some of you, your parents aren't saved. Some of you, your brothers or sisters are doing drugs all the time. Some of you, your brothers or sisters are homosexual. Some of you, your brothers or sisters are doing crazy. Some of you, your family members are losing their mind. And that hurts. If you say it doesn't hurt, you're lying. Stop lying. That hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's heavy. It burdens you. So what? What about it? How can God provide for that hurt and that need? How could He? He's not here. So how is He going to take care of you? Well, He is here. The comfort and peace when we're hurting and troubled is comforted and eased by the Spirit of Christ, man, don't you know that Christ is with you? Hey, hey, believer, just believers. If you're a, if you're born again believer, and you're hurting, Christ is with you. He's with you. He's right next to you in that hurt. He knows that hurt, and he wants you to lean on him to lay your head on his shoulder to grab his arm, to hang on. Say God, you got to take me through this. I can't walk anymore. I'm too tired. I'm too worn out. I'm too beat up by my situation. God, I'm just going to I'm just going to hang on to you. You drag me through this. And I'm there's one thing that I'm not I'm not letting go of and it's you. I'm not letting go of you. So God, just take me through it. Some of you need to make that decision today. Because if you let go of him, and you just say, all right, it's like you're skiing. You know, imagine you're skiing behind a boat, right? Skiing behind a boat. Can you imagine that? When you let go, what happens? You just start, right? You start flipping, neck starts hurting. I kept, the pastors were on a retreat this, this week, and we were on a big old boat. And we are on this boat, and it's going 30 miles an hour in the ocean, Right? And I said to Mike Renault and to some of the other guys, some of these pastors, that are, they're like, you know, they're just middle-aged men. I said, how much money would it take for you to just do a front flip off the back of this boat? <laughs> and they at first were like, uh, I don't know. I was like, $50,000, would you do it? And he's like, yes. I was like, $25,000. He's like, yeah. I said, 12000 He's like, mm. and then he starts thinking, like, hmm, if he does and he survives it, no problem, no injuries, twelve grand, no problem. But if he falls off and breaks his back, okay, he's the sole provider for his home. Is twelve grand gonna make up for the time that he has to miss work? Is it worth it? And I got, I got uh, Will Monta down to 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 twenty five bucks. <laughs> gone down to 25 Did he do it? but he didn't do it mike mike wasn't paying at that point so you know but when you jump out of a boat when you let go and you just let the world just run your life it's gonna hurt it's gonna be miserable without christ there's no hope and then the other thing that I think God provides is our confidence and our clarity when we're insecure and confused. How many of you, let's just, let's have a vulnerable moment. You ready? Can we have a vulnerable moment? How many of you feel insecure sometimes? Insecure. Maybe it's about, you know, for me, I've maybe told this story to you guys before. My calves. I just wish my calves were bigger. I don't know why. I just wish they were. I've been insecure about my calves. And you know, Kylie, she may not know this, but some of the highest praise that Kylie has ever given me happened like a couple weeks ago. She's like, Wow, Jeff, your calves are looking strong. <laughs> I was like, mmm, Yes, come on, babe. Yeah. You know, I felt really good about that. We're insecure about whatever. We're unsure about whatever. We're confused about things, right? Especially today when life happens when your family's whatever and, and maybe you've got questions about life. You can get confused. Well, God provides for that insecurity, that confusion, that unsettledness with the Word of Christ. His Word is sure. His Word is right. His Word is true. His Word has the answers. And if you'll just run to it and if you'll just see yourself, you know, if you're clinging to Christ, what you're actually clinging to is His Word. God, I'm not letting go of this. Some of you need to decide to grab hold of His Word and then not let go. Like, forget about not letting go. Some of you need to grab hold of it. Life's getting away from you. Grab it. Read it. Consume it. Be desperate for it. Because if you don't, that book's just another book and you don't care. And life, again, will get away from you. So verse 20, let's talk about, this is what I, I believe, you know, He's asking you know he's, he's, he's believing that their prayer and that God is going to provide for him in this situation. It's going to bring salvation. And then he tells them how. He says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Whether it be by life or by death. What is his earnest expectation and hope? What is his salvation? What is his aim? What is it that Paul wants from this situation? The aim of Paul's expectation and hope was boldness and magnifying Christ in his body by any means necessary. So, think about your current situation. Here's, I'm thinking about my current situa- situation. Can I just be honest with you guys? Okay, I started a new job. Did you know that? Yeah, I started a new job. Do you know where I work? Here. I work here, okay. It's the best job in the world. Let me just preface with that. The best job in the world. I'm only thankful. It's a great privilege. It's also the hardest job I've ever had in my life. And I was complaining, moaning, and groaning to Kylie the other night. I was just like, I don't even want to do this job anymore. And there's just one it's not it doesn't have anything to do with youth it has to do with another component of my job that I just find to be very difficult. And I like I'm having to do things and lead in a certain way that I've never had to do or lead from and it's a struggle. I'm struggling. It's hard. Okay. Think about whatever your situation is. What is the aim that you have? What's your goal? On the other side of that, or through that, or with that. Okay, so let's say you're struggling in school. School sucks. School's hard. Okay, what do you want? Do you want to just pass your classes? Do you want to just get by? Do you want to, I mean, what do you want from these things? From your situations? If I can challenge you to aim at this, this thing that I'm about to tell you, if you aim at this, it'll all work out. I promise. You ready? What Paul wanted was for God not to break Him out of prison, not to get Him more or better meals, not to give Him freedom from the terrible circumstances He was in. Even though God was fully capable of giving those things, that's not what He wanted. Instead, what Paul set his heart on was Christ being magnified in His life. Hey, hey, Here's the answer to all, like, everything. Here's, all, here's the answer to all your problems. Let your goal be Christ being magnified. Christ being, so in my job, that part of my job that's hard, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to earnestly expect that Christ will be magnified in my life. And he had settled so deep into this love and devotion for Christ that it didn't matter whether his life was taken from him or not, so long as Christ was magnified. So here's an application, an, an, a personal application for leaders. So if you think you're a leader in here, let's just be real bold. If you think you're a leader, raise your hand. I'm, I'm curious about this. If you think you're a leader, raise your hand. I like it. Any, any other students? I like the students that were like, yep, yeah, that's me. Any other students? Are you a leader? Alright, well this is for you leaders. Let your prayer life be for boldness to magnify Christ in every circumstance. That will make you a better leader. If your goal is just let Christ be magnified. You will be a better leader if it's magnifying Christ. Now, if you want to be a leader, let me just tell you, it's real simple. Anybody want to be a leader but you don't think you are? Okay, it's real simple. You're Just be convinced that God is worthy of every part of your life being surrendered to Him. And when you're convinced that every part of your life, every part, can be surrendered to Him, you're qualified. You're a leader. It doesn't matter about your gifting. It doesn't matter about how impressive you are. It doesn't matter how how influential you are. It doesn't matter how good at speaking you are all about how surrendered and faithful you are to Christ. Does that make sense? Now, if you don't think you're a leader, this is, this is just an application for all believers. You ready? It's for everybody. Decide. Here's your charge. Decide to let Christ's will be the driving force in all of your life's decisions. Paul's in the worst of the worst of predicaments. And he says, man, you know what? I'm just really hopeful because I want Christ to be magnified. That's wonderful. Hey, whatever predicament you get in. Hey, what school are you going to go to next year? Well, I don't know. Hey, cool. No worries. Just let Christ's will be the driving force. What does Jesus Christ want? What does he want? If you're like, I don't know. Well, just read the Bible. Look at literally, do a study of the will of God. And you're going to find there are some principles, there are some specific things that Jesus Christ wants in your life. And let those things from Scripture guide your decision. The specifics, I don't know. I don't know what's like, okay, so even if you say, you know, I just, I feel like you're telling me I have to stay locally. One, I'm not saying that. I recommend it, but I'm not saying that. I'm not Jesus. Don't put words in my mouth, okay? But if I were to say you have to stay locally, there's like a hundred schools here. So what, am I supposed to pick which school you go to? Of course not. Of course not. You get to pick. But you better let God influence that decision. Is there a difference between Longview and UMKC? Maybe a few thousand dollars. Sure. Sure. Maybe the program that you need Like, what about MNU's? MNU an option? I mean, it's in Olathe or wherever, Overland Park. So, Olathe, can I go there? Or is that too far? I don't know, bro. But I know this. If you ship off across the world, if the Lord is in it, we're in your corner. We're in your corner. We got your back as much as we can. If you leave after high school, we got your back if that's what Christ wants. If that's not what Christ wants, if you're not convinced that that's what Christ wants, good luck, bro. Good luck. You will be miserable. I promise. Because anytime, anytime, you're outside of Christ's will, you are not going to be happy. You're not. If you're supposed to go and you stay, guess what? Miserable. If we learn to apply these instructions, I think we're going to grow to the place that Paul was at when he said the next verse. Verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How many of you are scared of dying? Raise your hand. Quit lying. Put your hand up. How many of you are scared of dying? (laughs) It's a scary idea, right? And it's something that we wrestle, we wrestle through. We think, we're thinking to like, mm, I don't know. This is like, how's it going to go? And what's that going to be like? And then I think about, like, the sentimental stuff. Like, I think I'm halfway with Mitch. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, my job's hard. Take me, Lord. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know what my thought is? Man, what about my girls? <coughs> I don't know. I feels creepy. You know what I mean? Like the the after effects. Like what about Kylie? How awful would that be for her? You know. And I think that's a perfect illustration. Here's what Paul's saying: to live is Christ. So Paul's life was, it was of Christ. It was given to him from Christ. It was given to him by Christ. Do you understand? Paul's life was of him. It came from. His new life came from from Jesus. Paul's life was lived through Christ. It was lived with Christ. His life was lived under Christ. And Paul's life was to Christ. It was for Christ. Like everything that he did, it was of him, it was through him, and it was to him. Do you understand? His whole life was consumed with Christ's will, Christ's opinion, Christ's direction, Christ's life he was convinced that that was the absolute best romans eleven thirty six says for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen and in colossians chapter 1 verse 16 to 18 he says for by him jesus were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and He is before all things, and by, all, by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So Jesus, okay? Jesus is first chair. Jesus is the captain. Jesus is our boss. Jesus is the president. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the preeminent, the first place one in our lives as the church. And if we operate contradictory of that, He will let us know. Hey, you're out of bounds. And you will know. How will you know? Well, you will grieve the Spirit of God. You'll feel conviction. Anybody felt conviction lately? You're like, ah, I don't think I was supposed to do that. I wasn't supposed to say that. I wasn't supposed to be that way. Ah. That's Jesus saying, hey, stop. What are you doing? Come over here. Come on. Get get wine. What are you, you? You goober. Come on. Jesus receiving glory, preeminence in our lives personally is placing our lives under submission to Him, under His leadership, into His care, into His plan for our lives. It's to surrender. It's to say, yes, I want to be in your family. I want to be in your kingdom. So that if, our, so that if we're living, if we're alive, then our life, our life portrays and declares and magnifies Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. To live is Christ. It's all about Him. And then he says something crazy. To die is gain. Paul acknowledged the reality of his imminent death. He was going to die. And he understood that one day soon, he would give up the ghost, but he also understood that that he was actually going to partake in a beautiful transition. Like his death was not the end. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your death is the end. It's the end. And it only gets worse it 's the end. Be saved today. If you are saved, when you die, that's just like i't don't, I don't really even know what to compare it to. That's like when you yeah, I mean it's like you've been flying. I was flying. Sweet and I was in the middle row. I mean in the middle seat. And there's two people on either side. And I'm just and it so it's Brandon Briscoe. And he's got big old shoulders. And then the guy next to me is like a braden. And I'm like You know, I'm all squeezed in, cramping up, miserable. It's hot. It's like four hundred degrees in there. These big hairy men all over me. I'm like hate my life. So I'm sitting there. And what if they would have said, alright, Jeff, the son, First class. Come on. I'm like, yes, sir. Okay. I get up and I go right up there and then I have this wide open space. You know, it's even better than that. Heaven is like, you know, I've been flying and then I finally get home. And then I walk in the door and there's Kylie and there's my girls and I'm home. That's what heaven will be like. And Paul... Understood that. Paul knew that, man, when I'm out of here, I'm going home. I get to go home to the one that I love most. To the one who's looking forward to me getting there. He says, we are confident. In Second Corinthians 5 eight. we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When you die, you'll be present with the Lord. To pass away for a believer is to transition from this world into eternity in the presence of God. And what a wonderful and beautiful and a precious thing that is. God says that's precious. And Psalm 116, 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. When you die, God is like, This is beautiful. Come on home. It's sad for all of us when we're down here. Don't get that twisted. It is sad. You know, when all, all my grandparents have passed away, And the first three, it was like sad, but I was just like, okay, they're gone, you know. And then the last one died, and I was like, oh, my grandparents died. And then I just wept like a baby. It was just like it all came out. I grieved it all. It was a big emotional thing. "Ah, Grandpa, I love you. You know, it was this big, big, messy thing. And you know what? I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure while it is sad for me, they're up there. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how any of my grandparents used to dance, but I imagine it's something real cheesy looking. And they're just like up there dancing with the Lord. And then when I get up there, dude, can you imagine? It's going to be wonderful. Here's your key to success, okay? Whatever you endeavor to accomplish, here's your success. Key to success. Success in life is Christ having His way in your life. Any alternative plans will only end up with great disappointment. If you aren't convinced that you're right in the center of what Jesus Christ wants you to be doing, where He wants you to be going, how He wants you to be living, if you're not convinced of that, then you want to be convinced of that. God, I want to give my life to Christ. And I'm not sure if I've given it to him. So, God, help me to give it to him. That should be your prayer today. Help me give my life to Christ. And when you do, it's gonna be successful and you're gonna be fulfilled and you're gonna be satisfied. And if you don't, if you go outside of that, it might temporarily be awesome. It might. You might have a lot of fun. Right? Like, I could, okay, I could go get a loan. And I could buy the gigantic ocean boat that I got to ride in. And I could probably rent an Airbnb for a couple weeks. Somehow get that boat down to some ocean. And I could live it up. I could catch all the gigantic fish. I could eat like a king. If I get a loan, that means I have a lot of money at my disposal. I could get all the nice meals. I could eat out every night. Every meal. How exciting would that be? Do whatever I want for a week or two. I'd probably be pretty miserable after getting the loan. But maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you're like, no way, that'd be awesome. Okay, but think about this. Then one day, I'm away from my children, and they're like, where'd that go? Now I've disappointed my children, and my wife is like... Dude lost his mind. Okay, and then a week later, how do you think I'm feeling? If I start drinking and doing drugs, I might be able to numb the fact that I am in disobedience to God. I might be able to to quench the spirit enough so that I can still enjoy it just a little bit. The high, the highs of being out on the ocean and being under the influence. It might, I might be able to 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 like block out the spirit of God saying. What are you doing? What are you doing? What? I, I, I imagine he would be at a loss for words. A man who is the Word would probably just be like... The only words I can think of are, you're a moron. I mean, and that's where you'll end up. Eventually, if you've deviated from being centered on the will of Christ to anything else, you will end up there. You understand that? Because watch this, watch this, watch this, watch, watch, watch. If Kylie is my target, where are my feet pointed? Look at my feet. I'm wearing my nicest shoes today. They're kind of falling apart. Okay, watch. If I keep walking, eventually... Where am I? I think I aimed wrong. Sorry, Kennedy. Eventually, I'm going to get there. But even that small deviation, I thought I was aimed there. I mean, I legitimately thought I was aimed at Kylie. But then I started walking, and oh, I was actually pointed slightly off. If you're not dead set, centered, sold out, surrendered... To being in the center of the will of Christ, you're gonna you're gonna deviate from where you should be. Let's finish this last few verses, twenty two to twenty six. He says, "But I live, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not." He's like, if I live, I'm, it, that's what I'm gonna do. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. He's like, man, I wish I could just go be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But I recognize that I have a job to do here on earth. I've got to keep living because there's ministry to do. And I'm just recognizing that that's more beneficial. And so let me just kind of ask you this question. Paul recognized that it would be better for the church for him to continue in ministry, and he was at peace with that. So in, in placing his life in Christ's hands, he resigns to the idea of staying and ministering to those believers. His life was a better blessing than his death for those saints. His life was a better blessing than his death for those saints. The conclusion is, what is your life? Is your life a blessing to the body of Christ? Hey, is your life a blessing to the body of Christ? Are you a benefit to this group? I'm not supposing that if it's not, well then just die. But is your life a benefit to the body of Christ? If not, you're not doing a good job. Sorry. Too direct? Too harsh? If your life is not a benefit to the body of Christ, then you are not doing a good job. You're not doing a good job. You're not doing a good job with managing and running your life. So may I propose to you that you give it to Christ. If you're not a benefit to the body of Christ, you look at your life and you say, I just show up and I just wander around and I just feel bad and I just don't know what my purpose is. You're not doing a good job then. Okay? Sorry, I love you. We want you here. But you could be doing a good job if you would just give your life to Christ. Say today, God, I don't want to run it. I don't want to decide things. I want you to. I want you to have your way. I'm never going to do a good job at running my life. Nobody in this room is good at running their own lives. We're not. Christ is so good. So give your life to Him. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to bless that. You'll be blessed. I'm not saying you're going to have a bunch of money. But that's not what you need. You're going to be comforted in your hardship. You're going to be guided. You're going to be loved. You're going to be taken care of. And that's a pretty good feeling. You're going to be blessed. And then you'll be blessed to be a blessing. And there's nothing better than that. Does that make sense? you'll feel a lot more satisfied being a blessing to others than even the blessing that you receive. Are you a benefit to the body of Christ? If not, give your life to Christ this morning. That's going to be the prayer. And so uh, I am I would like us to just conclude with praying that. So we're, we're wrapping up now. And maybe just grab a friend next to you. Maybe grab a couple friends. If you know that you need to give your life to Christ? Can you just like raise your hand? Like, yep, I think I've not been doing that and I want to do that. Raise your hand, be bold. Come on, just be real bold and humble. Yeah, I need to give my life to Christ this morning. Not I need to be saved. I mean, that could be it too, but I need to, I need to surrender my life. Perfect. There's enough of you. so let's do this with the person next to you, let's just pray. Let's give your life to Christ. Surrender. that make sense? Alright, grab your friend, let's pray, and then we'll be out of here.